What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. The NFL Draft is this week, Kowal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham? Very well. Thanks for asking, as always. You're always so considerate with me and my feelings. I am. How are you doing? I'm very tired. Yeah. We, uh, you know, as, as everybody knows, we did not have a, an episode last week because I was out working on this uh, TV show, and um, but that's done, and good to be back. Didn't get a ton of sleep. Was The Walking Dead yesterday. I know you were going to do a replacement episode without me, but you got your second shot and then was dead of the world for two or three days. Yeah, I had a great, great cast lined up. I was going to have to do the Graham hosting, which I think I could do. You know, I'd, I'd been rehearsing all week. What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Adam Kalal, and alongside me for the first time is Arthur Roach and intern Jared, and we are Atlanta's own. Three guys doing something with sports in Atlanta. So I had all that lined up. Had yeah, Arthur, might as well just start your own podcast. <laughs> had Arthur lined up. We were actually going to talk about Atlanta United to some serious extent. Wow. Uh, I, I would love to hear Arthur's take on the Braves. I haven't heard that yet. And probably some good draft talk as well. But instead, I got the second vaccine, and it, it knocked me out. I'm glad I got it. I feel great now, obviously. We're podcasting together which is fantastic but yeah i was out for like three days so mm. everything was pushed so it was a good week for you to be doing your thing and not have atlanta's own and now we'll just have a lot of shit to catch up on so i'm very excited to go ahead and just dive into this falcons gram it's finally here we've been talking about this week for well really what since dan quinn got fired yeah and even a little before because we were very concerned about the direction of the franchise, not only with the salary cap, but where do you go in the draft? Uh, with Matt Ryan aging, Julio Jones aging, the team nowhere close to being in contention, even though I know they lost like eight games by one score, but hell, you lost eight games by one score, so you, you're not very good. We're just not a good football team at the end of the day. So it's like, what do you do? Do you blow it up? Do you try to supplement and still be a playoff contender? Um, and we were afraid of, at least I was afraid of Thomas Dimitrov having to answer those questions. Fast forward, we have a new coach, Arthur Smith, new GM, Terry Fontenot, who talked about ad nauseum at this point. And we always kept talking about the draft is where things will happen. The draft is where we'll start to get an idea of what this team is trying to do beyond Matt Ryan getting his contract restructured and seemingly locking him in for the next couple of years. Um, you know, we'll, it's all going to come to light a little bit more in terms of the direction this franchise is going on Thursday night. And as I sit here two days before the draft, I still don't have a preference or an opinion. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I could see the positives and the negatives of what are pretty much our four options. Here's our options. Mm. At number four, we take a quarterback. Likely Justin Fields or Trey Lance, depending on what Kyle Shanahan does with his number three overall pick. And there was reports this week that that could be Mac Jones, the Alabama quarterback. But it's between Mac Jones and Trey Lance, so maybe Justin Fields is there at four. So that's one option. Number two, take best available player. 
Kyle Pitts, the beast of a tight end out of Florida. Is he better than Fields or Lance? Though that's the question. But go through your options. We'll debate later. Okay, yeah. yeah. So that's option two. Option three is take uh, Suell, the offensive lineman from Oregon. Mm-hmm. Option four and, is... And before you say that, he is, for people who don't know Suell, he is widely regarded as the top offensive lineman in the draft. Instant game changer. People aren't saying he's like first ballot Hall of Fame or anything, but the best offensive lineman prospect in the draft, according to just about any scout out there. And then option four is hope that someone is really desperate and gives us the huge package that it would require to trade up to our number four pick. So those are the four options. Where to start, Graham? So let's start with the first option, which is staying put and drafting a quarterback. It's pretty much either going to be Lance or Fields. I am not interested in Mac Jones. And the reason why, even though I, I, I liked what I saw from him that when I watched a couple of Alabama games this year, but I think with the direction of today's NFL game, you need a guy who's athletic. Mac Jones, is athlete, he's, he's, he's certainly accurate, at least in the SEC game. He's not athletic at all. He's your, your prototypical white quarterback in terms of just guy who's very stationary back there, um, has a decent arm, is an accurate passer. Yeah, I think us drafting Mac Jones would be the one thing that in the moment I would be horribly pissed off about. Right. Like, Falcons Twitter would absolutely lose their collective minds. Yeah, you're if, getting a lesson. With, with yeah. Justin Fields on the board, with, I guess one of them would be off the, either Justin Fields or Trey Lance on yeah. the board, and you take Mac Jones mm-hmm. over Kyle Pitts or one of those quarterbacks. Right, as well. yeah. Like, for me, like, the, the draft board is, like, probably Fields – or Lance, Pitts, Swell. Hell, I put Mika Parsons over Mac Jones. Mac Jones isn't even on my top five in the draft board. Right. Um, so I don't think that's a realistic possibility of Mac Jones. So we don't really need to talk about that. But he's not the guy I want, you know, for that reason, because he's, he's not very athletic. On Trey Lance, on the other hand, accuracy has been an issue for him, but he's athletic as all get out, apparently. And a lot of people are... You know, not as big as uh, Lamar Jackson, but there's been some comparisons made in terms of his his speed and ability to to change a game with his legs, and also still having a good arm, but not being the most accurate passer in the world that could develop. So my thing is is that I'm even though I know Justin Fields had his issues at Ohio State, but he's you know simultaneously to me at least when I've watched him play, when I looked at some some scouting reports. He fulfills both needs of a quarterback in the sense that he is more accurate, or he is accurate, and he's also quite athletic. So to me, out of the, the, the quarterbacks that we have to choose from, if we're picking a quarterback, he's my guy right now because of that reason. Yeah, I agree with you there for, for those reasons. And then also just the scary thing about Trey Lance is that he, I mean, he did play at, what, North Dakota State? And he only played one game last year. So there's just less film on him. So he would be more of a project quarterback, which is fine in our scenario because we have Matt Ryan probably for the next two years. So you could have a guy like him sitting behind Matt Ryan. But Justin Fields, just the fact that he's we've seen him play in the college football playoffs, championship games. He's was at Georgia and Ohio State, two huge programs, although Ohio State isn't exactly known for putting out top-notch quarterbacks. 
but you can't always just look at history like that. No, you know, it's yeah. not like he was recruited initially by Ohio State. He went to Georgia. So. Yeah, you have to evaluate the individual, and it's one game, and that's and and there are times when I know I have a few friends who are Ohio State fans who just you know are very up and down in the field. It's just like they said, one week he's just unbelievable. You think he's gonna carry you all the way, and then the next week you're like, what the fuck is he doing? Like sometimes it seems like these little guy, you know, have a game where he throws three or four picks, and then will have another game where he throws five touchdowns and no picks. So he is. A little Jekyll and Hyde, which is a bit concerning. But I'll tell you what, on the big stage in that game against Clemson, the semifinal game, that was pretty. That was an unbelievably gutsy effort. You can't base your entire analysis off one game, but that showed me a lot about his character. He also got speared on a play and was able to stay in the game. I think he came out briefly, but came back and, and with a hit from a hit that normally would, I think, take just about anybody out of, a, out of a, for the rest of the game, if not next week. He stayed in there and then threw like two or three more touchdowns and was just unbelievable. He torched your Clemson Tigers. Yeah, he was the best quarterback on the field. Yeah. He and beat Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick. He beat him single handedly. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't base, like I said, you can't base it off one game, but that, but you can still say in that moment when it mattered most, he came to play and he kicked ass. And that says a lot. And it says a lot about his character to stay on the field. He could have said, oh, man, I don't want to like risk hurting myself further and plummet my draft stock. I've already had a great game. I could just I could just piece. No, he was there for his teammates. So I mean that, that said a lot to me about the character of Justin Fields. Yeah, it shows he, he's a gamer and it, it's great to even if he is Jekyll and Hyde some, as you said, it's great to know that he can show up big in that moment. And he's coming in an opportunity where it's an ideal spot for a quarterback to be able to sit back, watch Matt Ryan, get up to speed with the pace of an NFL game, mm. kind of a la Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. Like, it, it doesn't happen like that too often. But if you can let a guy like this sit for a year or two, I mean, it's only going to be better for him mm-hmm. in the long term. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you coach him up, let Arthur Smith get his hands on him, then that consistency might come out. Yeah, and I think that's another thing to keep in mind is, is also who your coach is. I think that's got to influence how a, a general manager drafts. Particularly when a general manager and a coach haven't worked together very long, the general manager has to think, okay, what players am I going to get that my coach can get the most out of? We know Arthur Smith is an offensive specialist. We saw what he's done with Ryan Tannehill, especially last year. I mean, quarterback, as we know, is where games are won and lost. You get to the quarterback as a defense. We saw what Tampa Bay did. Like Tom Brady, yeah, he went to the seventh Super Bowl, but his last two Super Bowls, if he didn't have a good defense, he ain't winning shit. You know? I mean, Mahomes was under duress the entire second half. Either you got to have a good quarterback that you got to protect him and you got to be able to get to the quarterback. And right now, I think with how Arthur Smith's team is constructed as of as of right now, you got to have a quarterback that can really sling it and not to say Matt Ryan can't sling it anymore. I think he's still a very good quarterback. I think he can become great again if he has protection. But, you know, we're thinking about the future. We know Matt's not going to be here much longer. You got to think about okay, my coach should be able to develop this guy into a premier quarterback in the NFL, or we made the wrong decision at getting the head coach. So I've got to trust that. I've got to trust that as a general manager and say, you know, for my first big pick, the biggest pick and, and the Falcons have had in 13 years, to me it's like i got to get my quarterback of the future. There are a lot of good quarterbacks in this draft. I know you have Kyle Pitts there. I know everyone's saying he's a future first ballot Hall of Famer. And I don't know if field, you know, I'm no scout. I don't know. Maybe Fields isn't the right move, but to me, it's like I feel like I don't want to force it, but 
he if I'm picking a quarterback, that's my guy. I have to trust my coach to develop him. Yeah, and with the Arthur Smith piece about the quarterback, that's the other that's I could see both sides of that argument because he's shown a system he doesn't need a crazy dynamic quarterback in order to be successful. And think about if he gets one. Who knows? Exactly. It could be even the, the success could be off the charts. I mean, you could be looking at a a guy who's who's I'm not saying Fields is going to be Patrick Mahomes or something, but you could get a guy who could become a premier quarterback in the league potentially. Another report that came out this week was kind of going back and forth between whose decision this is. And it's agreed that this is Fontenot's decision. And Fontenot has to look out for the long-term health of the franchise. So Arthur Smith, I'd imagine he wants, he sees Matt Ryan. He thinks, hey, this guy's still got two to four good years in him. I can win with him. Get me Kyle Pitts, and we can go out and win this year. Versus Fontenot has to be thinking, looking at the books, looking more long-term, and seeing, you know, Matt Ryan's not the guy anymore. They have no history with Matt Ryan, so it's easier to move on and just realize as a GM, you've got, what, three to five years to prove yourself that you have a long-term goal for the team versus a head coach that those wins and losses start adding up immediately this upcoming season. So I think... I could see it going either way. And as a fan, I'm the same way as well. I see the Fontenot side of get your future quarterback. Franchise quarterbacks are the most valuable pieces in this league. But also as a fan, I want to watch good football next year. Of course. We've, and we've and taking st- pits yeah. is the best chance for that right. to we, happen. And we've been starving for good football. I mean, we haven't gotten to the playoffs since the 2017-2018 season against Philly. When we lost that stupid game in Philadelphia, we should have won. So it's like... We are starved for good football. And, yeah, maybe Pitts gives us the best chance. I'm thinking of it more from Fontenot's standpoint. We've already been mired in the muck for so long. I don't really give a shit if it's another year. My issue with taking Pitts, and it, and it sort of contradicts the best player available, I don't want to force need like Thomas Dimitrov did, where it's like, oh, we need a pass rusher. Let's just get a pass rusher in the draft, you know, sort of thing. There's not a lot of good pass rushers in this draft. Even Mika Parsons, or Micah Parsons, how you pronounce his name, is you know he's more of just a you know just a linebacker you know he didn't record a ton of sacks at Penn State also you know he didn't I don't think he played last year but like he's the only guy I could see that would be like oh man if you can convert him into edge rusher with his speed that could be you know maybe it could be tremendous I don't know but we don't really have to worry about that in the sense of like burning a draft a high draft pick on a defensive end because we need one obviously we need one but my my point I think what I'm trying to make is is that I am contradicting best player available, but there are too many holes for this team to compete this year, um, even if you draft Kyle Pitts. You might have more exciting football. You might win a few more games. I don't know. But you're not winning shit this year. There's no, this is not a Super Bowl team. There's too many holes. So, right, even if they even if they somehow make the playoffs this year. They're getting crushed. You, you know they're not going to reel off three wins no. in a row. And, and Tampa Bay is, a, like I said last year before the season, um, very strong team. They're, they're clearly the class of, of the NFC South. They certainly peaked at the right time. They're still bringing back a lot of their hosses, too. I mean, we're not, we're not going to be able to contend with them at all, I don't think. Um, so I'm just thinking realistically and thinking down the line. I'm kind of still on team trade down. Give me as many picks as possible to fill these holes of players I think that can fill them. Don't do it arbitrarily, but give me more options. 
not just, you know what, and then also trade Julio Jones after June. Trade Julio Jones after June, accru- accrue more draft capital for future drafts. I need to I need to take it on the chin for one more year and then use all these draft picks I have to try and kind of maybe even repeat that Dan Quinn success when he had, you know, Gray Jarrett and Deion Jones and all that. You know, when you're getting all these high-profile defensive guys that could fly around the field and make plays, for to, you know, fortify your offensive line, fortify your defensive line, make sure those are good. That's where we got to start. That's where we got to start, I think, to build this team back up. So that's why even though Pitts is very tantalizing and Fields is tantalizing, I'm either draft fields or trade down. The choice is Font knows, obviously, but that, that's where I am. I, I, I think Pitts, from what I've read, what I've seen, he seems to be an all-world talent. But if I'm giving you know a fourth overall pick for a tight end when your defensive line is an absolute shambles, my outside of Gray Jarrett, I would rather just build that up because we built up our offensive line pretty well. I expect big strides from Caleb McGarry. I expect big strides from um, Lindstrom. I hope Jake Matthews can still remain consistent. So it's like, I just want to fortify those positions a little bit more so that, okay, going to the future now, once we get that stuff right, you know, we still have Calvin Ridley. We still have potentially Hayden Hurst. Hopefully we draft a good running back in the draft. You know, I just I just think there are too many holes to to, to, to spend a, a fourth overall pick at tight end. I've, I hear you, but I, I've officially got off team trade back okay. today. Only for the fact that you have to hit on those picks. It's not just having all those picks, but you have to actually hit on them. And if you trade away a potential franchise quarterback in Justin Fields, that one, looking at, look at that 10 years from now, and we're seeing Justin Fields oh, yeah. be one of the that, – that would be brutal to stand. It could be a disaster. Or a potential Hall of Famer at Kyle Pitts, which is obviously way too early to peg a guy as a Hall of Famer. But yeah. the – the talent is there. I think I would rather take the shot with the more sure talent at number four in one of those two guys and then fill some holes later in the draft. But either way, I think we're taking it on the chin this year. Mm-hmm. But the idea of trading out a number four and then just missing on a couple picks is just uh, it's tough for me. Yeah, no, it could be devastating. I, I completely understand that that viewpoint i think arthur blank you know considering he's what 77 78 years old it's probably like i don't want to fucking trade out of four even though i know he tries to let the football people make those decisions he could certainly step in as an owner and say no you, you draft justin fields or, or Pitts." you know like like who knows if we'll ever get back to this when we'll ever get back to number four you know it's just so many variables the reason i'm still on team trade down is like yes you have to hit on those picks but if you get more picks you know you potentially have more chance of, of hitting on somebody or multiple people. We always look back at the, the Julio Jones trade for us and the Browns like missed on every single one of those picks. Oh yeah. They, 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 like we talked about the Browns had a shitty general manager until like two years ago. So, I mean, Fontenot with his track record should be able to make, you know, more better decisions than bad decisions. The, the only kicker with that is if you can accrue future first round picks, then those could potentially be traded up to get your quarterback next year. Right. Or two years from now. But who knows if the quarterback class is going to be as strong. That's the thing that I'm sure the guys at Flowery Brands are even talking about right now. It's like, son of a bitch. You know, it's just there's so many ways you can you can cut this pie, but there's there's detriments and, and positives of, of going whatever way you want to go. Um, 
or whatever way they decide to go. The thing with Pitts, though, is just like, you know, think about guys like uh, Vernon Davis or um, the the guy who just retired, who was the Redskins tight end, who was so good for a while, Reed. Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed, yeah. It's like those guys, you know, when they, they, they walk into the locker room, look like first ballot Hall of Famers. They didn't pan out. But then you got guys like Sterling Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, you know, who always profiled as great tight ends, and they, you know, they were game changers. So it's just, it's just tough. You have no fucking idea. Well, just to imagine this offense of, and granted, if we draft Pitts, maybe that's more all these Julio Jones rumors. Maybe if we do draft Pitts, maybe you do definitely try to trade Julio. But yeah, I think I think you've got to trade Julio. I think you, abs- regardless of what you do, you have to trade Julio. There's no way around it. Julio is an aging, seemingly possession receiver at this point. A great possession receiver. But he missed seven games last year. We've gotten the best out of Julio. It's our last chance to get any value from him. Yeah. Like, it's not going to get better from here. So, we have to, as painful as this is, and I love Julio Jones to death. I mean, if we had won that Super Bowl, that catch he made on the sideline against the Patriots would have been the greatest catch in Super Bowl history. Everybody would remember that more than the David Tyree catch of the Giants against the Patriots. That was the greatest catch I've ever seen in my fucking life. I remember being damn near blackout drunk, seeing that in slow motion, and being like, we just won the fucking Super Bowl because in my head because Julio Jones is the greatest receiver I've ever fucking seen. And then we all know how that ended. But I'm just saying, like, I love Julio. I love him to death. He's always been a consummate teammate, great guy. We know we've had the contract disputes and all this shit in the past, whatever. But the writing's on the wall. The feet aren't getting any better. The heel's not getting any better. He missed seven games last year. We must trade him. And uh, Jeff Schultz reported, athletic Jeff Schultz, said that if we trade Julio Jones post-June, we would only take a $7.75 million cap hit, which we can take, which we can take, which would still suck, but it's better than whatever, 20 or 30 or whatever the hell it would be pre-June. It's like saving us 15 mil. Yeah. So I think regardless of what you do, and I don't, and, and and we can talk about what what we're gonna, what we think is gonna happen. But I think regardless of what we do on draft day, Julio Jones must be traded. So basically, we still don't know what we've no hundred percent what we want them no. to do. Um, or we might know what we want to do, but we have no idea what will happen. So hopefully, Fontenot, whatever it is, hopefully he's locked into it. I'm sure he is confident. Yeah, you know. and I'm fine with whatever he does if it makes the most sense in terms of helping us win in the long term. Regardless of if, even if it blows up, even if Kyle Pitts, we draft Kyle Pitts and he blows out his, blows out his Achilles um, and never plays a game or whatever, which would be a worst case scenario. It's like, okay, on paper, before that happened, seemed like a good idea, right? You know, or fields or whatever. It's like, you know, yeah. that was probably the right decision. Um, even though Even though it doesn't work out, so... Yeah, I don't. I just don't see a scenario where Thursday we're sitting here thinking, "Oh, he flubbed that one." Like, I'm yeah, like, unless he gets fleeced by somebody. But I would love to fleece a wide receiver starved team like you know San Francisco, Baltimore, the Patriots, you know, and really take advantage of them in June as well as having a good draft now, and then stay aggressive with that. Get picks for Julio. Yeah, because if if you don't have Julio. Say we do take Pitts, we're looking at Pitts and Hurst, 
which, the tight ends. Which is good. You can use both those guys on the field just because you have two tight ends. I mean, think about what Gronk and Aaron Hernandez did. I mean, they were absolutely dynamite Yeah, no, I, I think it's phenomenal. And Pitts can play it anywhere, so he's kind of like a wide receiver. Right. And then you got Ridley and Gage, which is still solid. The, the depth beyond that, I'm not so sure about. And we got we got Cordell Patterson. He's more of a, uh, a return, kick return specialist, yeah. punt return so, specialist. So, anyways, we, we'd be okay at receiving. Yeah, yeah, still, and then you hope maybe with that second round pick, you get your running back to go with Mike Davis. And yeah, definitely, we definitely need to draft. That's something that a lot of people aren't talking about. But in like the fourth round, it'd be great to draft a running back that you, you think know, is good. You know me, I, I love ETN in the second round, but I recognize we need a safety desperately. Yeah, our our, our secondary is either just abysmal or young or way too young so you know we have no safeties right now other than the guy we signed from the raiders who everybody hates well we got hawkins yeah the raiders guy and then we signed another guy last week Harmon or something like that it's crazy not to look it up it's crazy not to have kz ricardo allen or um what's his name keanu neal yeah it's nuts it's a a new era yeah for sure got to move on from these guys eventually yeah so, I mean, yeah, I mean, we all respect what Julio's done for the franchise, and, you know, there's a good chance he's still here come September. Yeah, this could all be posturing and just seeing if there's anyone out there who will seriously overpay for him. Well, and that, that whole report, it's like we had come to terms with it, that this was possible and possibly needed just to sign your draft picks to get rid of a guy like Julio. So, like, when it was, like, huge news yesterday morning on Twitter, it's like, yeah, duh. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's a possibility. Right. And he said from the get-go in his like first press conference, nobody's untradeable. Right. We listen to everybody. You right. Know? So I, I, it's nothing really new. No. I think I think it's a – I honestly think it's a ploy by Fontenot to see if someone out there is going to overpay. And think about it, too. The new – whoever – if we trade Julio, the new team who acquires him takes on $15.3 million, All of that money is guaranteed. So they, they, are, they are stuck, you know – um, the good news for them is that if they were to cut him next year, whoever the team would be, that only two million is guaranteed. But you know, that, whoever would take him on would be taking. You know, it's a serious investment. They're thinking they're a receiver away from winning the Super Bowl, and the team that I can think of that is feeling like that right now is is, is the Ravens. I think the Ravens historically, having uh, dated a Ravens fan for ten years or however long it's been, never had great receivers always pick up these veteran receivers. They can't develop their own receivers to save their life. Uh, they want to unleash Lamar more. I could see them maybe trying to reach because they know like that it's a big problem. It was a huge problem for the Ravens last year, not having enough receivers. So I think that's a legitimate possibility. Then it's another reach. Julio plays like eight games next year. Right. Injured. Right. Uh, maybe shows up in the playoffs, though. Maybe. But I, I think I would – I hate to say I would love to see that happen, but for the good of the team, I think it needs to. I mean, it's really our only other options now, I think, are restructure Grady's contract. I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. Which, like, Grady's a piece for the future, so get it done. But if you don't do that, then you have to trade Julio. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, we'll see, Graham. Obviously, this team has a lot of needs. I don't think we need to speculate what's going to happen beyond... That number four no. overall pick because no. that's going to change everything. Yeah, but. we also did no research on potential other picks, so 
which I think I promised like a couple months ago. I was like, you know, we should do our research this time. You, but, you know, it's too much you, of a pain in the ass. You do that every time. Yeah. Every single draft, you're no. like, oh, we're going to do a big deep dive in. And, no. no. And then happens. we get here. And I'm like, do you have any notes on it? No. no. All right. Let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's wing it on. like always. Yes. So those are our four options. Let's get it, Fontenot. Yeah. Don't, don't make the city of Atlanta a joke. That's all you have to do. If you just take Justin Fields or Pitts, we're all going to be happy. Like, I mean, some people complain, obviously. Georgia Bulldog fans especially. No one's ever going to be... Not everyone's going to be fully satisfied no matter what you do. But, yeah. But you won't make us look like fools. Exactly. Like, like if we trade down and only get, like, two second-round picks or something, which wouldn't happen. But if something like that happened, then Fontenot would be vilified for the rest of his career. Even if that would be maybe unfair. Well, Adam, I think that wraps up our Falcons coverage... And we'll be back next week. I mean, this show's not over. <laughs> but we'll be back next week to break the draft down in its entirety for your Atlanta Falcons. But let's move on to a team that is uh, kind of playing like the Falcons normally do. Your Atlanta Braves. Who are currently 10-12 and 12 in fourth place in the NL East. Only Every, a game and a half back. Everybody's kind of like floating around 500. And... No team looks that great so far, but they're all pretty evenly matched. They're all playing each other hard, and they all have their various struggles. The Mets have also struggled tremendously offensively. The Marlins are up and down like crazy. Philly's been up and down. They started hot, and they sucked. Now they're getting a little better. You know, The Nats have been up and down, too. They've had a lot of people start the year on the COVID list. and um, you know, it's, it's just been a bit of a clusterfuck in the division so far, but I have... Um, you know, I'm trying not to panic with this team. There's no reason to panic yet. It's April 27th when we're recording this. Everybody says, don't worry about things for Memorial Day. I'm more of like June, middle of June. Middle of June guy, huh? Middle of June, even late June to know like where my baseball team's at. Because we've seen teams turn things around. I mean, hell, the Cardinals, when they won the World Series in 2011, were like 10 games back in August. And they won the World Series. So it's like... Anything can happen, but you kind of get a better idea, I think, by mid to end of June about, okay, does this team have a shot even if they're still underperforming? So we're like two months from that, so I'm not freaking out or anything. We know Dansby, Ozzy, Ozuna are struggling like crazy. We know the bullpen's struggling as well. Charlie Morton's struggling. Drew Smiley is hurt and struggling. It's, it's, it's a mess. There's no way to put it, other way to put it. It's a mess right now. But there's no reason to freak out yet. Yeah, a few numbers. Uh, we currently have a 489 team ERA, which is the second worst in all of baseball. Behind the Angels. Correct. We have the fourth worst whip in the majors. I know you're a whip guy, Big Graham. Big whip guy. Uh, 219 team batting average. Pathetic. Which is, uh, yeah, pretty poor. And, you know, after our beautiful one-hit performance in the doubleheader against the Diamondbacks. So glad I didn't see that. We already we got to the point of Dansby Swanson having to walk around and burn sage in the locker room and all over the field. Yeah, I read that story tonight. Which was hilarious. And it worked. The bats got going. At least the bats got going. The pitching still was not uh, very good, but the bats got going. So here's the thing about Morton still. He has been great in all of his starts minus one inning. He just blows like it up. Yesterday was just one swing of the bat. Yeah. Well, he loaded the, the bases. Grand slam. He loaded the bases too. Well, so. But yeah, like if, if he, 
if Chris Bryant doesn't get around on that, which wasn't a terrible pitch, and Chris yeah. Bryant just got his hits yeah, around. But you got to know that Chris great. Bryant destroys inside pitches. I still feel fine about Charlie Morton. Like, we know we brought him in here for October. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really freaking out about Morton yet. Because you still see good innings from him, you're right. I think once he gets more into a groove, he'll be okay. Um, and he always battles. Like, even when he has that blow-up inning, he's always pitching into the six. Yeah. Smiley, on the other hand... He's a concern. He was ne- He's never been a good pitch. Like, you know, Charlie Morton, you can look at his year. Even last year, like we talked about, the playoffs for the Rays, he helped them get to the World Series. Legitimately. He pitched like a beast in the playoffs. Smiley had an okay year for the Giants. Is it worth handing out $9 million when you're a cash- $11 million. $11 million, It's even worse when you're a cash-strapped uh, middle, unfortunately have a shitty ownership group team. No, I don't put Anthopolis in that group. I'm just talking about Liberty Media. I don't think so. And I was skeptical of that of that deal. That's not to say Smiley can't turn around, but I don't I don't like where that's going so far. Not only did we pay him eleven million dollars, it's eleven million dollars in November, like very early in the off season, where like we see things spreading out so late into the off season for people to actually sign. So Smiley's eleven million dollar salary is more than Mark Melanson, Adam Duvall, and Darren O'Day combined. Which is tough to hear, seeing what some of the early struggles of this team are. Yeah, a lot of the former Braves are doing really well so far that we were like, meh, we don't, we won't miss them that much. Yes, we, I mean, we're, we're missing them right now. Yeah, we, we definitely miss, like, just throw Melanson into our bullpen and we're, it, it's a completely different game. Yeah. But, so Smiley needs to get his shit together soon. Like, and you understand why the deal was, like, why Anthopolis wanted to add veteran starters after what last year was where we had zero starters for most of the year. So he wanted to add to the depth there, and for whatever reason, Smiley was their guy. I, w- yeah, I wish he could have found... Even though Smiley... He did have a decent year, but like it's so hard. I feel... And I feel for Anthopolis here, because you're adding you know, you're adding two guys... Well, let's talk about Smiley. We know the, the history with Anderson, but you're adding a guy in Smiley who's had an up-and-down career, who had a decent year last year in a shortened season where he was still injury-prone, but you still felt confident enough to give him $11 million. Because of sabermetrics. Yeah, for looking one, at spin rates for and one year though. Yeah, you know he had one year after a bet. I think he had a subpar year. Well, not even a year. It was a shortened 2020 COVID but, season. But, well, yeah, but I'm talking. Okay, good point. That's even more of a reason I think not to do it. And he only started seven games or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think this might have been a misstep. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he was getting 11 million dollars from anyone else. Yeah, and I just got I got to question that a little bit even before the season. Even if Drew Smiley was pitching like. Out of his fucking mind, he had a .5. If he was putting up Jacob DeGrom numbers, like sub-1 ERA, sub-1 whip, I'd still be like, okay, maybe this is going to work, but I'd still be nervous just given his track record. Well, he doesn't have a – well, not Smiley. Anthopolis doesn't have a great track record with veteran lefty pitchers. Who are the other folks? That Hamels. Right. Who oh, I, yeah, I forgot yeah, about yeah, Hamels. Don't, don't, a, don't go on to a crazy, crazy gram rant about that. I'm just that. saying that – I, I just want to say again, I called that shit from a mile away. You you were correct on that one, Graham. You were correct. I didn't feel as bad about this one, but... He he looks great for the first three innings of his first start. Yeah, that's worth $11 million. He could still turn it around. Like I, I'm surprised they didn't give him some time at the alternate site to kind of get ramped back up before throwing him back out there. 
But anyways, that's very concerning to me early on is what Smiley's going to do. And, like, we just can't afford to have $11 million misses with our budget. No, you, you just can't. And that's that's critical. That That's money that could have gone to the bench. That's money that could have gone to their starter. That's money that could have gone to more bullpen help. And I was full. I will say, I was even if the bullpen turns it around, I expect them to get better overall. I was foolish to assume that we'd be fine after losing the three guys that we that we lost. That everybody would just continue pitching as well as they did last season because that's just that's just not realistic. There are there, you know regression is is a fucking word for a reason, and we're seeing that right now with with some of these some of these relievers. Um, thank God for Luke Jackson, right? He finally gave up a run. He did. Finally gave up a run. Sitting at a 129 ERA now. Yeah, we, we gotta we gotta get Martin back. We gotta get Newcomb back for sure. Those are two huge pieces. Yeah, that I, that might change things a little bit, spread everything out a little more. AJ Mincher's kinda steadied things out. Yeah. Will Matt, Smith has steadied things out. Yeah. Matsick looks mortal. He looked mortal last night. I you know the thing I'm worried about is the thing that we kind of ran into a little bit last year, even a shortened season. These starters aren't going very long into games. Ian Anderson against the Yankees the other night was the first guy to pitch into the seventh inning as a starter for this team this year. That's unacceptable. This bullpen will flame out. This bullpen will be done by July, late, late July if this keeps up. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So, some injury updates. Max Fried is expected to return um, against the Nationals in the May 4th through 6th series. That's in, uh, I think that's next week. Yeah, it's next week. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chris Martin... Through a side session on Monday, uh, there's no timeline yet for his recovery, and there's no timeline for, um, or not recovery, no timeline for his return. And then Mike Soroka um, still has no timeline for his return. He's not resumed throwing ever since he got some shoulder inflammation. And uh, according to Dave O'Brien, all, a lot of this is from Dave O'Brien, uh, all of this, uh, a team official reiterated Monday, and I'm quoting Dave at this point, that Soroka's shoulder has been checked and is structurally sound. I would love to get Mike Soroka back by May, middle of May or something like that. Well, oh, no, May's happening right now. Yeah, Dr. Graham, okay, it's sorry, not happening. Sorry, I keep forgetting we're at the end of April. June. Give me Soroka back by June, June 15th, please. So, Dr. Graham, you just throw wishes out there? Yes, I'm throwing wishes happens. out there because, like this, 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 this pitching staff is in shambles. It's on fire. We won a game eight to seven last night. I thought it felt like we got beaten fifteen to nothing. Like I can't stand this shit anymore. This pitching and offense is just terrible. Like it's easy. The, I, I could say you you were early early on in this segment. You were like Mr. Calm. You I know. Got mid June. I know. It's, and it's I see you getting out. more worked up. It's coming you, out. You were, a you were bit. saying very logical, factual statements, and now you're going to. I'm going Shambles, to, the know. worst thing in the world. We're game and a half, Graham. Game and a half back. I know, minutes. but I'm just thinking about, like, have you watched any of like the Padres and Dodgers games that have happened so far this year? No. They look so much better than we do right now. And I know that could totally change in two months, but or even next week. We get hot in May, Graham. Yeah, but it's just, it just sucks because it's like, this team was so much fun last year. We haven't talked about the offensive struggles, but like, good Lord, Marcelo Zuna is not intimidating anymore. Yeah. He flails at everything. He looks out of shape. He needs a couple of days off. Problem he, is, we can't afford it right now. Right. But in the hell, outfield. I have more faith in Guillermo Heredia than damn Marcelo Zuna. Heredia should be hitting third right now. <laughs> He's got the high, his second highest OPS on the team, I think. You, you might be right. Like, I'm... I don't know, man. Shake it up. Give Marcelo a couple of days off. I, I mean, I know 
Well, Heredia's already our everyday I know. center fielder. I'm just saying, like, I don't know. Call up Drew. Like, everybody just kind of needs a mental break. I feel like Ozzy needs a break and Ozuna needs a break. And, they need a couple days off. It is hilarious how quickly, like, our biggest concern, which was the bench, is now, like, one of our biggest strengths. Yeah, Adrianza can play some second base for a couple of days. Um, hell, he can play a corner outfield position, too, if need be. Like, he, give... He has been, yeah. yeah. Give Ozuna a couple of days off. The man, I don't know what he needs to do, and I'm sure he's going to be fine, but give him a couple of days. Give, give Ozzy a couple of days off. It's, it's funny also with uh, concerns that we thought were huge that haven't been so far. Ozuna's defense in left hasn't been terrible, minus his noodle arm. That man can't, th- like, nine-year-old Gabe Peacock has a stronger throw from catcher, which never made it to second no, base. No, it's always but it, 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 triple But it was at least a line drive. With, like, a little bit of might behind it. Yeah. But, like, Ozuna's just throwing, like, lollipops in, and it's embarrassing. Yeah, he's only had one good throw. It was the Even then, it was still not the best throw. Like, triple hop to the plate on the, that bomb play. The I can't remember the guy's name. The Phillies player, last name Bomb, who didn't, never touched the plate. Alec Bomb. Yeah, that should, have, Bomb. that should have been an assist for Ozuna. But it was still... Oh, like, it was a terrible throw. Yeah, but he still got it there. Whereas now, it's just like... He hasn't made anywhere near as good a throw as that throw when he should have had bomb, and that wasn't even a good throw. It's just it's like getting worse and worse as time goes on. But there's been like a lot of like hard line drives hit out there. I was like, oh, he's gonna flub this. There's no way he's gonna catch it. And he's actually making those plays, which is surprising. Yeah. So we'll yeah. give him some credit there. But the positive thing, Graham, because I you don't you don't give that guy the money we gave him and the time we've given him to to hit like this right now. I wish there were a video of this recording because at the beginning you were like sitting up with good posture. You, the more we talk about you it, like more... you had, you, things going on, and now you're just like over there fidgeting. You're staring at the carpet nonstop. I you're... know. I just feel like the more I talk about it, the more I talk about it, the more I get a little. And I will be the first to admit I am completely overreacting right now, hundred percent. Okay, well let's just dial it back, and I'm gonna. You don't even need to finish that sentence, Graham. Okay. I don't want to hear whatever was going to come out of your mouth there. Okay. No, I'm trying to apologize. Oh, trying... oh, oh, that's fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm trying to. say... I thought there was a big butt coming no, out. No, <laughs> I, I, I'm saying 100 percent that I am completely reacting. I still have. I will go back to where I was at the beginning of the segment. I still have faith in this team. It's April 27th. For God's sake, there's no reason to freak out. But the more I think about it, and this is the butt, I did not anticipate the start of the season for anybody for the offense and pitching staff to be this poor it's just it's weird and i hope it's not a sign of things to come okay that's where i'll leave it good work graham proud of you so the one positive thing i wanted to highlight austin riley who two weeks ago left for dead i was about to kick him down to alternate trading you released him from your fantasy baseball i did i did And, and as soon as i did that he came on up. He, he he couldn't stand the pressure of being on my fantasy team. Yeah, is what it was. Maybe I need to release Ozzy and Dansby at this point. Please do. But he's showing signs of life, and I saw it last week in New York, in the first game of the series where we're down three nothing, maybe I think in that first game. Araldis Chapman's in for the save. There's two outs. Austin Riley's down 0-2, and he battles and works a walk, and like there were close pitches and i was like wow that was an amazing at bat and then the next game he comes back has a couple more walks and then hits his short little home run for his first one of the year 
And then the following game, the Friday home game against the Diamondbacks, he hits like a 420-foot bomb to center field. So already in the year, he has 10 walks in April where he had 16 all of 2020. Yeah. He's so, definitely displaying better plate discipline in the last couple of weeks for sure. Which is phenomenal to hear. And he's got a two forty six batting average, which for the Braves right now... It's like best on the team. Unbelievable. Other than Acuna. Yeah. Like, Freddie's hitting, what, like 220-something? Hell, Darno, I think, is under 200 at this point. Yeah. And we know that batting average isn't the end-all, be-all, but, I mean, good God. I don't think it's just a batting average balls-in-play kind of thing. I think it's just, like, there's been a lot of strikeouts, weak contact. Um, it's ugly. But at the end of the day, I think that the rest of the NL East is going to rue the month of April where they didn't take advantage of us playing like this and just, like, build up a six-game lead, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's too much talent on this team for it to not come Right, back. right. Yeah, you still got to keep the faith. If we're still playing like this in June, it's a lost season. Like, it's done. Like, sorry. Even if we're only a game – you said middle of June, that's, that's your – what if we're still in the running? We're still in the running, but I, you know, you get an idea of what a team can do, and not even like in the running for the NLEs. I'm talking about like my my goal going into the season, like I have any control over anything. But as a fan, my expectation was you should be in the NLCS to face the Dodgers again. Yeah, I mean, we're we're missing our number one and two starters right now. Oh, I understand. Freed will be back. I'm Let's just, see how he looks next week. Yeah, I really hope he's had some time to just one heal physically but also emotionally he did he did not have the uh as apollo creed would say the eye of the tiger man the edge he didn't have that and like he he just did not none of his pitches were sharp yeah i I bet this little break's good for him we know who he is as a baseball player Mm -hmm. as a competitor let's uh i look forward to seeing him pitch next week yeah that's good news he's coming back yeah and i think that wraps up the brave segment adam mercifully short i would say in comparison to other times we, we got hit three sports this week graham we can't just talk braves for an hour and a half right you know? and then move on to something else with yeah. other obligations right so all that being said graham i do think it is time to discuss your atlanta hawks <laughs> there's mr hawk <laughs> just been sitting in the corner this whole time these Hawks, Graham, they're 34 and 28. I think they're now 20 and 8 under Nate McMillan, including a couple of very impressive wins over this past weekend against the Heat and arguably their best win of the year over the Bucks. A health, like full Bucks team. Giannis is playing, Middleton's playing. They're all there. Both of those wins without Trey Young. But this damn injury bug is ridiculous. So since since we last talked on this podcast, we lost Trey Young. I thought we lost Capella. Like, did you see that him go down in that same game? Like three minutes after uh, Trey Young fall, it, he was fortunately okay. But then last night we're playing the Pistons, who are not a good team. They have like eighteen wins, and it was we were due for a. A regression, a bad loss, especially after the Bucks win. I mean, that was such a huge win, and to do that, like you're saying, without Trey, is is incredible. And I just want to call out the national media for a second, who I continue to despise more and more as time goes on, for just not giving the Hawks their due. Once again, it was like, oh, the Bucks retires. There's like third game and fourth four nights and all this stuff. It's like 
all right, you have Giannis and all these other guys who are, you know, they're clearly the better team on paper. Just say, you know what, the Hawks played better that night and beat them. Give them their fucking credit. Without our best player. Without Trey Young. Don't say, don't make excuses for the Bucks. Like, I, I just despise the national media so much. And I don't even care, you know, I guess I do care that the Hawks aren't getting the respect that they deserve. But you know what, the more I, I think about it, the more it's about marketing. The more it's about who are the who are the best players, who are the big markets. That's who we're going to side with. Milwaukee is a big market now? Best player. Or, or the better players. Giannis is a household name, one of the top players in basketball. Only because he's on like AT&T cell phone commercials and shit. Right, but he's still a great player. You can't deny that he's player. a great player. Yeah. So, I'm, of course, they're going to side with him because he's a great player. Not to say Trey's not a great player, but he's not in the, the echelon of, of, of Giannis. So, it's just, I am just very frustrated that Atlanta teams can't get their, t- get their time um, in the sun when they're playing well. Unless it's it's very rare, um, but you know, screw the national media. We are who we are. We're the damn Hawks. Yeah, they're they're playing awesome right now. It's it it was so fun to watch that game on Sunday after what was one of the worst days in Atlanta Braves history since probably Fulty gave up ten runs in the first inning a couple of years ago. You're talking about a Sunday game. You're that, talking about a regular season game in April. I don't think that so. was a bad game to have your team get one hit. And I mean, obviously, it's not. Not the same ramifications of a playoff game. No, I, it's a top five worst day in Braves in the last, history. No, in the last. I'm talking the last three years. Nah, I can think of negative, Graham. I don't. I don't need you. To, I'm just telling you. You're <laughs> I wrong. don't need you to bring up. You are objectively saying, wrong. It was a very bad day for Atlanta Braves baseball. That's objectively right. But. And then to come back and watch the Hawks, it was the Lou Williams and Bogdanovich show in the fourth quarter. It, Lou, who hadn't done anything all game, just starts going off on threes. And it was just back and forth. And it was just so fun to watch mm-hmm. and just pull away from Giannis and the Bucks and Budenholzer coming back to Atlanta. It, it was just beautiful. And it's a fun team. And we're going to be a tough out for someone in the first round. Yeah. My concern right now, and I agree with everything you said, it said beautifully. I'm just thinking now about what's going on with Trey. I don't even know if he's making this road trip that we're about to go on. He is. He's set to possibly play at the end of the week. Okay. That's news. Yeah, I haven't looked at anything since this morning, so that's good. Yeah, Schlenk was on 92.9 The Game this morning and said both Trey and possibly DeAndre Hunter could be back at the end of this week. That would be nice. So that's that's great news. Yeah. I agree with you. If this team is healthy going into the playoffs – I think they can definitely win at least one playoff round. I don't know if they can beat, you know, even Milwaukee in a in a seven game series. It's gonna, you know, this team's never been tested like that. Or, or Philly, uh, hell, I don't think they can touch Brooklyn. But um, you know, they're playing their asses off. They're doing it with with not a healthy roster, and they beat the Bucks without their best player. I mean, this team has a lot of heart. McMillan has to get that freaking head coaching job. And the season's coming rapidly to an end. I think there's two more weeks left. I'm just I'm just amazed at how much better I feel about the direction of this franchise ever since he took over. Well, it's beautiful because we're not reliant on a single player to run his offense and to put up the same energy. That's why we got a Brandon Goodwin. who Now he's hurt. Now he's hurt, of course. And Kevin well. Herter's hurt again. Kevin Herter's, yeah. Or not again. He was actually healthy uh, all season. I was, yeah, I, I was going to get there. But, yes, we, we got two more injuries. But we got Chris Dunn back. 
He played last night. I can't believe he exists. He played 13 minutes, didn't score, but, you know, it was still good to know that this guy is alive. Hopefully, Dude, his defense is real. Here's the thing with Chris Dunn. He's not going to get up, up to speed. I mean, he hasn't played since January 2020, I think. So he's not going to get up to speed in terms of being, like, an absolute force defensively, um, which is what we need him to be. But he can be a very competent defender at this point. I don't know, man. Watching him, like, that's his first game, 13 minutes. He forced, like, two jump balls. He had a block, had a steal in no, his first yeah. game. No, for sure. He, like, looked, he looked really you good. You could tell he is an elite defender. No, he is a very, he's always been a very good defender. I just don't think we can expect, like, it feels weird to say this about a non-superstar like superstar player, but vintage Chris Dunn defense. That, that's, that was great. But, you know, he still hasn't played in a while. The rust is there. So, so you think defensively, what you saw last night, that was rusty for him? I think he was still a smidge slow at times, but I think... That's great news then. If that yeah, was no, that's slow. what I'm saying. It can only get better from <laughs> yeah. here. It can only get better for here from him because he did play very well last night. I just think I... You can just tell he hasn't, he hasn't played like organized basketball in a while, but he's still... The instincts were there. The skills are still there. He can be a huge asset for this team in the playoffs because we still don't play very good defense. So to get a guy like him who is a very good defender uh, on this roster, and hopefully he can get more up to speed than where he is now increase that minutes count going into the postseason could be a huge boon. Well, especially you can stick a guy like him on, on Giannis potentially. Yeah, if, if well, those are two different sized dudes. I know. I'm just saying, like, he's probably our best defender on the roster. Over, you, you can't put Chris Dunn on Giannis in the paint. Not in the paint. He's a perimeter defender. I know, but I'm just saying, like, you don't want Capella on Giannis in, on the perimeter. Right. Yeah, so I'm just saying, maybe they can do some weird... <laughs> Zone defense, or sure, sure. To combine sure. them, make maybe try to some sh- switches, yeah, and shut. You know, saying, "Hey, let's rotate." Maybe you're right, Grim. Maybe you're I'm right. I'm just saying, like, if you get a good, I don't know, if putting a point because guard the thing on is, Giannis is the first thing I would do. But you know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. But I'm just saying, like, we don't have good perimeter defense outside, like DeAndre Hunter. Like, it's not very good. It's just, no, no, it's been terrible. Yeah, so it's like to get someone that can actually guard in the perimeter is just such a boon, if, especially if he can build up his minutes and be a, a even more valuable contributor. I just want to – we've been saying this every week. I just want to see this team somewhat healthy. I really hope that <laughs> Trey is back and fine. I really hope that DeAndre is back and has like a few games to ramp up yeah. before the playoffs. They're a fun team to watch, most fun team to watch for the Hawks in a long time, even when they were making the playoffs. It's a different vibe. It's all on the schlank, and it's all on McMillan. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can see the difference from March to now. Yeah. So. And I, I've been very um, impressed by Bogdan Bogdanovich, especially stepping up in the absence of uh, of Trey Young and how you know he started some games at point guard, and he's just scoring like a madman. And um, he, so he, is, he, is in a, he is in an absolute groove right now, I think. So, so he's firmly better than the Vince Carter free agent signing? Yes, he is firmly better than the Vince Carter free okay. agent signing. All right. No. Within the span of two months. Ter- terrible for the Kings to have not signed that offer sheet. It is very odd. And like I said, like I, I was expecting him to, when he came over here to be better because he's with a better team and with better playmakers around him. But I was not anticipating, and when he said this in his press conference, I was like, oh, this is kind of maybe just posture on his part, but of him being able to be a playmaker himself and get other people involved. Um, you know, we've, we've seen that. He's not going to dish out 10 assists a night, but he's going to get, you know, four or five and, and, and move the ball around and 
great offense. Yeah, arguably the second best player on our team right now. Yeah. John Collins hasn't been doing his 30-point nights that he was doing earlier this year. Yeah, and I got to wonder about, because I know he's been up and down with the injury bug. I, I don't under, like, John Collins, because, like, his numbers last year, or, like, the last full season were better than this year. So I don't know how we go from offering him $93 million last year to offering him a max after this offseason, based off what we've seen this year. He still had a good season. He still had big games. Um, I don't think he's fully healthy. But still, he's maybe the third best player on our team. I would take him. Third or fourth? Long term, I'd take him over Bogdanovich. Well, we already have Bogdanovich, so that's... I know, I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, if take out the contracts, I'd rather have John Collins. Maybe. I don't know, man. With with Capella already and seeing signs from Okongwu. Yeah, but, I mean, I have no idea what kind of player in Yaka Okongwu is going to be. I mean, I know he's been a hell of a lot better uh, than he was. But, you know, I mean... Do you you give John Collins a max contract right now. You think he has earned a max contract. He's one I of think the best I, players in the league. I mean, everybody's getting max contracts at this point. People don't deserve it. I don't think he's one of the best players in the league. Even, but so even tell, if, tell me who's going to come in here and replace his 18 points and eight boards a game. I mean, we've seen how many players we can plug and play in this system. Yeah, but... You don't want to financially screw us for years. Like, we've we got to give this money to Trey Young. I would much rather give that money to Trey Young than Collins. We got Gallinari locked up for a couple of years. We got Okongwu. He's going to develop. We got Hunter actually coming back. I think we can, re- can replace his points. I'm not saying... Hunter is the answer to that question. I'm not giving him a max. Unless he proves it otherwise in the playoffs. If he proves he deserves more money than what we already offered him, mm-hmm. okay. But I'm not going to be the team to give him a max contract. You have to be clearly the best player on our team to get a max contract. In my, It's just not the way the NBA works anymore, though. It's just... well, we're t- you're talking superstar. Like, John Collins, is he even an all-star right now? Maybe. All-star is such a bullshit thing, though. It's all decided by the fans. It's, it's not true. The, the coaches also... I know, but I'm just saying the like... majority of all-stars are the, decided by the, the fans. The point is, if you put all the players in the NBA in a pod... Is John Collins one of the top 30 players in the NBA? Maybe not. Exactly. I'd probably put him in so, top 50, 55, something like that. And that's a max contract He's the second best eyes? player on our team. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you can say Bogdanovich might be the second best player now, but overall John Collins is definitely the you second best player. You think he's more valuable to us than Capella? I think it's three-point ability, yeah. He still gets eight rebounds a game and scores you know, close to 20 points a game. That's, that's very valuable. Capella, I love Capella. I've always loved Capella, even before he was on the Hawks. Um, but John's just a versatile player. He's a really good player, and he's going to leave a huge gap if he leaves. Just saying. You're not going to be as good without him going forward. No, I, 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 that's a no-brainer. I agree yeah. with that. So I would rather try and keep this merry band of, of, of guys together um, if you can. But I agree. If you have a gun to my head and say, okay, if you pay John Collins all this money now and you can't sign Trey Young, then, yeah, you're not going to do that 100%. But um, I, I I don't know who the hell – I mean, you're saying Hunter, but they're just different – you know, it's different players. They play different positions. Having Collins and Capella together has made them both better players, I think. I just think that if you turn down – just logically, if you turn down $93 million and you're betting on yourself – you have to prove that you're worth more than $93 million. Sure. And he has not done that so far this year. I would agree. So that that's all I'm saying. Yeah, no. I, so I, I prove, it, prove it in the playoffs, John. 
Yeah, and prove I, me wrong. I hope that he gets healthy because I mean, you remember what happened like after his uh, he wasn't traded. He goes out and gets like thirty three points and twenty two boards or something like that. I mean, like we know that he's capable of of, of playing really well, and then he got hurt. Uh, I think what, a couple weeks later or something like that. But it's a game like last night. Last night we we're missing, we're missing Trey, we're missing Lou. We're missing seven other guys. Yeah. John Collins in that roster. I need him. Yeah. That's the game I need him to go for 35. Yeah. He didn't. And he went for like 19 or something. He was fine. Yeah. But no. Yeah. I, I hear you. I don't, he's, take over. He's not a guy. He's not a guy I don't think that's going to take over a game as often as you'd like him to. Especially if you're going to offer him that money. Think of giving Joe Johnson the max contract and what that did to us. Trying to offer oh, him yeah. that later on. I mean, that, like was, that screwed us. Of course. But like, we had no choice but to give it to him. I think we have a choice now. We have enough yeah. players. Yeah. We have a choice. Uh, yeah. I hear you. That's all I got, Graham. No. I'm, I'm in the same boat, man. I think we have a complete episode here. <laughs> we bounced around. Atlanta United's doing well. I think they're like 3-0-1 or something. Your boy Barco is playing well. Scored a big goal in CONCACAF. Joseph Martinez is back, right? Yeah, I don't think he's hundred percent yet, but it's um, exciting though. He's he's back, and well, we need to have Arthur, Alexa, both of them on and talk some. We haven't talked about United since like twenty nineteen, like early, like early twenty nineteen. It's been like two years. We need to do it at some point. Just like we'll do a deep dive on all these draft prospects. It's well. more of a realistic chance that Atlanta United deep dive though, for sure. I don't know. <laughs> Let's not start with deep dive. Let's just do like discussion. A real like five minute segment. Right. Which we have done before multiple times. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we'll do that again. Right. Yeah, sure. So that wraps us up for this week. Happy draft week, everyone. Um, don't go too crazy either way. It's just it's just it's just a draft. It's only the future of the franchise. Don't freak out. Are you talking to yourself or the users? Both. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. Uh, we will see you next week to recap the draft, where the Braves are, where the Hawks are. And maybe we'll get someone to talk about United. We'll see. Uh, but thanks for listening. Until next time, rise up. Mix it up. Unite and conquer. And remain true to Atlanta. Hospitalmanship. Hospitalmanship. That was a good little show.